Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. So can you guess the number one hormone to look out for once you hit 40 years old and beyond? Now it is not progesterone or estrogen, which many of us think are the hormones that get the most attention once we hit perimenopause in our 40s. Now one of three big players is insulin. Now I wanna take a moment and name all three. The big players are cortisol, insulin, and thyroid hormone. Now these three hormones are at the top of the hormone hierarchy because they are driving some of the most important cellular reactions inside of the body every single second of the day. Now today, I wanna focus on insulin because I often focus on the other two. Actually, the last two Q&A Friday episodes were entirely devoted to thyroid health and a little bit of cortisol. And those episodes were 219 and 221 in case you wanna geek out on thyroid issues. And the reason why I'm focusing on insulin today, although, let's be honest, it's not one of the sexiest hormones to focus on, is because I received a question two weeks ago by Andrea, whose fasting blood glucose was over 110 milligrams per deciliter, and her hemoglobin A1C was at a 5.9. And she had no idea she was pre-diabetic. She just thought her hormones were off. Here's Andrea's question. I just learned that I'm pre-diabetic and I'm concerned because diabetes runs in my family. What can I do right now to lower my insulin and glucose levels? Now this is a question we should all be asking ourselves, whether we're pre-diabetic or not, especially in our mid to late 30s, so that we are more resilient in our 40s and beyond. Insulin resistance or insulin block has been on my personal radar for many years because no surprise, diabetes also runs in my Mexican family. My uncle was literally just diagnosed two weeks ago with type two diabetes, and he's just 55 years old. So what is insulin resistance? And why aren't we talking more about it in women's health? How is it that it keeps getting the boot and we focus more on progesterone and estrogen? Well, insulin resistance is a syndrome that is literally at the center of so many other chronic health problems, including diabetes, obesity, heart disease, which is the number one killer for women here in the US, and polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS. And as I shared earlier, insulin is one of the major hormones and has massive cascading effects on the rest of your hormone system, including what we consider to be minor hormones relative to insulin, hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Insulin resistance occurs for many of us because some of our calories come from simple carbohydrates. This is rice, bread, desserts, chips, certain fruits, fruit juice, and these sugars are quickly entered into the bloodstream as glucose. Now when that happens, the body has to spike high levels of insulin to get all that glucose out of the bloodstream from spiraling out of control. We cannot leave glucose in the bloodstream. We gotta have insulin come on in and handle that. Now over time, if we're continuously eating these simple carbohydrates, our cells simply cannot keep up. They stop responding to insulin signals and the body becomes insulin resistant. Basically, it starts blocking insulin receptors. 
Now the body is forced to release even more insulin because it cannot let blood sugar levels get too high. And the thing of it is, is having excess insulin in the bloodstream, it's called hyperinsulinemia, is a very serious problem because the body cannot endure prolonged high levels of insulin, just like it can endure high prolonged levels of glucose. Both are a problem. So too much insulin disrupts cellular metabolism and most importantly, most concerningly, is increasing inflammation in the body, especially in our blood vessels. When your body is unable to keep blood glucose under control, that eventually leads to prediabetes and then diabetes and then diabetes can then spiral into other health problems. Since insulin is considered a major hormone player, it affects many other systems, as I mentioned before, including those reproductive hormones. So when we hit perimenopause, which, ooh, it already feels like crazy things going on, our bodies are already trying to manage the effects of the imbalance of our sex hormones, decreasing progesterone, cascading inconsistent roller coaster estrogen, testosterone that is also being inconsistent, and that can cause a spectrum of perimenopausal issues. Now, if your insulin metabolism is balanced and functioning, whew, a lot of these symptoms can be managed. But if it's not, you will never be able to get those hot flashes under control. You'll never be able to lose that stubborn weight and relieve some of the other menopausal symptoms as well. Insulin and other major hormones, including cortisol, have everything to do with how you feel and how your body functions every single day. So restoring the balance to insulin and cortisol should always be at the top of our list so that everything's working like a fine-tuned machine underneath these two. Now, if insulin does get blocked, there are a number of conditions that can arise, and we talked about these earlier, right? directly contributes to obesity, diabetes, PCOS, right? And we also know that it's closely linked to other major health problems like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, breast cancer, endometrial cancer, and it can be implicated in Alzheimer's disease. I'm not sure if you've heard this, but many people, many scientists are calling Alzheimer's disease type three diabetes based on the inflammation insulin resistance can cause on the brain. Now, Insulin resistance also hides between two of the most common symptoms women experience during perimenopause and menopause, and that is fatigue and weight gain. Women notice these symptoms as they approach menopause mostly because their bodies can no longer deal with a high amount of carbohydrates because eating too many simple carbs can not only lead to weight gain, but especially belly fat. And if you're talking about high levels of cortisol and inconsistent insulin levels, you're gonna absolutely see an increase in belly fat, stubborn belly weight, but also brain fog, difficulty concentrating, sugar crashes, and most important, sugar cravings. Which is so weird to think that your body is dealing with a major sugar issue, and it just keeps craving more sugar. It's like this crazy roller coaster that you're on. So a lot of these symptoms that I just mentioned, so often we just attribute them to hormone issues. Hormone, you know, maybe it's cortisol, maybe it's stress, maybe it's perimenopause, like maybe it's menopause, but we are rarely ever looking and kind of narrowing in on the insulin factor. And for most women in particular, 
the way insulin actually disrupts fat metabolism is significant. So when cells won't soak up that extra glucose, the liver has to actually deal with it by converting it into fat. Since fat cells are loaded with glucose receptors, it's a never-ending cycle. Now, if you are insulin resistant and gaining weight, your cells are actually starved for glucose. Even with all that excess glucose all over the place, they still can't get enough. This situation is called syndrome X. It causes you to feel exhausted all the time. It causes you to turn to the same trouble-causing carbohydrate-heavy foods for fast energy, right? So you hit a wall at three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon. So you race for the caffeine, you race for the peanut M&Ms or whatever it is that give you that little boost. Only problem with that is it raises those glucose levels, shoots up insulin spikes, right? And your body's like in chaos mode trying to deal with it. And it just cycles over and over and over. And we call that, you know, you, you think about someone who's a sugar burner or a fat burner, someone who's eating multiple snacks throughout the day and eating simple carbohydrates throughout the day they, to get that fast energy boost is actually creating a sugar burning problem and leading to insulin resistance, potentially pre-diabetes. So just kind of looking at what that looks like. Now, when we're dealing with extra fat cells, we also know that extra fat cells are like little estrogen creating factories. Also, if we've got a liver that is unhappy and having to bring on excess fat because of the glucose problem, we're also gonna see some issues in the liver's ability to function, especially when it comes to detoxification. So not only do we see estrogen rising because of fat cells, we also see estrogen rising because of sluggish liver issues, which leads to not only more weight gain, but also estrogen dominance. And that can lead to perimenopausal symptoms like heavy periods, migraines, fibroids, brain fog, and mood swings. And I have tons of episodes on estrogen dominance. I talk a lot about the liver and clearing the liver, but especially addressing the, the big blood sugar issue. Now, insulin majorly plays a role as we hit menopause. However, insulin resistant symptoms can start as early as our mid to late 30s, definitely our 40s. Now, when syndrome X is in full swing, a woman's health can deteriorate very rapidly during perimenopause and menopause as estrogen begins to fall. And any type of digestive issue that you may be dealing with is going to drive more inflammation, including not being able to address estrogen, especially breaking it down in the estrobolome and the microbolome, leading to more estrogen dominance. So it, it just becomes a very, you can see how it's all interconnected. I talk a lot about how your hormones are like this massive orchestra. Well, the three big levers of that orchestra are insulin, cortisol, and thyroid hormone, but insulin being one of the most devastating of them all. So if you are concerned that you are at risk for developing insulin resistance, whether you've got a family history of type 2 diabetes, or you've ever had gestational diabetes, or you've had hypertension, or you've been a little bit overweight, or you're dealing with belly fat, it's important to look into it, right? Because we can, if you have any of those signs and symptoms or those factors, we can have less tolerance for insulin. So the first way to really assess it is you can look at your waist to hip ratio. We know that that's a huge one. If the ratio is bigger than 0.8 for women, 1.0 for men, it could be indicating that you're developing insulin resistance. If you run a lipid panel and you're seeing low HDL levels and high triglycerides, there may be insulin resistance there. Also, you would run a full sugar panel, blood sugar panel. 
and this is what I normally recommend. I think it's important to start looking at a full blood sugar panel, like I said, in our mid-30s to late-30s. So the first thing I would look at is I would look at a fasting blood glucose test. And an ideal fasting blood glucose is under 30 milligrams per deciliters. I recognize that doctors' medical standards are under 100, but the closer you move to 100, the closer you move into dangerous territory. You want to keep that Goldilocks sweet spot under 80 milligrams per deciliter. If anytime I see my fasting blood glucose pop to 85, I am on it like nobody's business. So I always get my fasting glucose levels tested at least twice a year is usually when I do it. I want to keep an eye on it. Next is going to be the hemoglobin A1C. This is really ideal for measuring over time. You're looking for an ideal number of 5.4. Now your doctor is going to say 5.7 because anything over 5.7 is prediabetes, but who wants to be a 5.7? So we want an ideal of at least 5.4. If you can have it like at 5.0 or lower, yes, that's what you're looking for. And then a glucose tolerance test. This is going to really what's going to look at insulin resistance. It's going to give a better, clear view of what's going on with insulin levels. The ideal is 130 milligrams per deciliter or less. So those are the three tests that I would run on top of a lipid panel, C-reactive protein, looking at any type of nutritional and nutrient deficiencies, making sure everything is locked and loaded. So now that you've got your labs requested and your labs did come back higher than ideal, you can actually get your insulin back in check with some simple modifications. I want to go over those really quickly. One, managing your carbs, right? You want to manage those simple carbs. So focusing on complex carbohydrates, things like vegetables, squash, sweet potato, and some berries. Those are great. And then lean proteins, healthy fats. Those are all going to be big. But no bread, no pasta, no sugar, no rice, nothing that could actually trigger insulin resistance. Next is focusing on lots of healthy fats, avocados, salmon, tuna, flaxseed, eggs, making sure that you're getting enough essential fatty acids as well, because those can really be important at reducing insulin resistance. So taking a great omega supplement is going to be huge. I take my omega from Nordic Naturals. It's a thousand milligrams. I take it every single day. Also, it may be worth looking into taking a complete supplement that addresses sugar cravings, right? Sugar cravings are often an unmet need. It's stress, it's emotional, it's because we're misfiring in the limbic system, dopamine and serotonin are off. So I actually, because I have so many women in my community having sugar cravings, including my mama, I formulated a supplement that addresses the source of many craving issues. I call it Crave Reset, because that's what we want to do. We want to reset those cravings. And it's designed to stabilize many types of cravings that are caused by an imbalance of neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and then stress hormones. It can also work to support the adrenals and most importantly, the stress hormone, which is cortisol, a major driver of cravings and belly fat. Now, I will have the link to Crave Reset in the show notes. You take it daily, super easy to do, and it's just mitigating a lot of the unmet needs that your body is triggered on, like it just keeps on getting triggered to want those cravings. And so I'll have it in for the show notes for this episode for 223. 
Next, you wanna make sure that you are decreasing your amount of stress, right? We know the stress is playing a big role here. So self-care is huge. Essential oils are amazing. Deep breathing, having a morning ritual. I talk so much about this on the podcast. There's a lot of episodes to go back to that. Making sure that you're moving your body every single day. We know that steady physical movement three to five times a week can help regulate metabolic function, help to make sure that we're leveraging and utilizing glucose and supporting hormone balance. So 30 plus minutes a day of regular exercise, honestly, get in where you fit in, but movement is so critical here. Then decreasing alcohol, alcohol definitely will spike insulin levels and even consider diet Cokes, you know, any type of sugar substitute, those types of things can also cause chaos when it comes to insulin levels. And then make sure that you are supplementing. So you want as much help as you can get. Two supplements that I highly, highly recommend are going to be chromium. I recommend 100 to 400 MCGs per day. And then berberine, 900 to 2,000 milligrams per day. Chromium and berberine supplements have been found to significantly improve insulin sensitivity and keep your sugar balanced. Beyond improving insulin resistance, it reduces inflammation and regulates glucose um, and moves it out of the bloodstream into your cells. So huge chromium and berberine. Next is magnesium glycinate, 400 to 600 milligrams per day. I love it also for anxiety, for stress, for sleep, for digestion. I take 600 milligrams per day at night. Magnesium helps to maintain healthy blood sugar levels and insulin levels so that you don't experience those crazy spikes and dips that lead to binging and excess snacking. It also helps to minimize bloating how much water your body retains, which helps to knock off some of that initial weight that you may be holding onto. Now, there's lots of different types of magnesium, but they're not all created equal. I do recommend a magnesium glycinate. I make an incredibly amazing, bioavailable, effective magnesium. I call it a magnesium restore because it's a chelated form of magnesium. It's bioavailable and it will not cause any gastrointestinal discomforts. Next is vitamin D. I want to recommend 400 to 5,000 units per day. People simply do not have enough vitamin D, especially living in the United States. We just don't get enough of it. We have too many winter months where it's really hard for us to get enough vitamin D. So I would say 70% of women are struggling with vitamin D levels. It has a profound impact on your serotonin levels, which governs everything from mood to sleep to how hungry and satisfied you feel after a meal. I personally take 500 I use every single day of vitamin D and I do carry it with vitamin K and vitamin one. It will literally change your thyroid levels. So if you have low vitamin D levels, it will help your thyroid as well. But vitamin D, when you're taking 5,000 units with K1 and K2, you will rise up those vitamin D levels. Next is probiotics, super, super important. We know that when the microbiome is in balance, your body's gonna suffer, including insulin levels. It's so interconnected. So the ideal way to get some is fermented veggies, coconut kefir, kombucha, miso, get in where you fit in or take a good probiotic. And then last but not least, probably the thing that people miss the most is fiber. We're looking at 30 grams of fiber per day every single day for optimal functioning. Fortunately, most of us don't even hit the halfway point. We usually are around 10 to 11 grams of fiber every single day. And the reason why we need fiber is to keep us regular, clean out the toxins, all the accumulation, nasties that grow, that are happening in the gut, feed that microbiome, and also so that we feel fuller longer, we don't face ultimate cravings or hunger, 
due to excessive snackings that may derail your progress. So fiber is going to be huge. Clearly, we can get it from fruits and nuts and veggies, but you can absolutely take a dietary fiber, add it to your smoothies every single day. I have one from the Essentially Whole store called Daily Fiber Complete, and it is phenomenal. I love it. And I add it to my green smoothies every single day. And I think with the green smoothie plus the fiber, I'm getting around 20 grams of fiber just in my morning. And then I make sure I eat enough fruits and vegetables and nuts throughout the day to get that other 10. So I will have the links in case you want them for the supplements in the show notes that include Crave Arrest, Magnesium, Vitamin D, and the fiber. So I want to make sure that you are set. What really moves the needle besides moving the body and moving out the simple carbohydrates is going to be the supplementation, especially vitamin D, magnesium, fiber, and the berberine. I think those are huge. And then always, always focusing on probiotics. So as always, thank you so much for joining me today on the Essentially You podcast. I hope you got a full run through of insulin resistance, how it happens, what it can impact, then how to test for it and being willing to test for it at an earlier age, right, when we should be looking out for it, and then what we can do if we're seeing the numbers that we're not looking for. We're not seeing the ideal numbers, right? Movement, right food choices, supplementation, those are going to be the huge players when it comes to getting insulin back in check. So next week, I am bringing on a really wonderful guest, Natasha Allen. And again, talking about unmet needs and sugar cravings and food cravings, we're going to talk about how to finally let go of emotional eating and self-sabotage. Natasha Allen goes into the nitty gritty of getting to the root cause of what's going on here. I feel like it's a perfect episode to follow up to this episode because again, so often eating is just a little bit more complicated than you know calories in, calories out. We know that it's driven by hormones, it's driven by insulin, it's driven by emotions, it's driven by family and habits. There's so much, so much that goes into it, and we're just going to be uncovering one of the biggest areas, which is emotional eating. So I look forward to having you on the next episode with me and Natasha. Until then. Have an amazing week.